This morning's reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 5 to 15. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Am I on? Good morning, and I better, I better pray, hadn't I? Father, I just um, thank you uh, that your spirit is already here. And we pray for the power of the spirit to touch us. We pray your word will not return void, and you will touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. No, I'm in the wrong place. That's always the case. I'm always in the wrong place. Um, I'm Jan Ransom. Some, many of you know me, but there'll be quite a few of you that don't know me. Um, and I run a ministry called Flame International, uh, which, takes, uh, which goes to um, post-war countries um, to, where there's been a war, genocide, or oppression. And we minister into trauma. And we have to rely completely on the Holy Spirit because we're in, yeah, I, I must not give a talk on flame, but we go to difficult places. And, um, and today I'm speaking about the fact that the Holy Spirit convicts. Um, it's a tough subject, really. When I started on it, I realized how tough it was. It's hard to understand, but it's a function of the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit brings us into relationship with Jesus. So the conviction of the Spirit brings us into relationship with Jesus. And it's, it's important and exciting, but it's a struggle. So bear with me. I just want to tell you a story. On Thursday, I was speaking, I was speaking at a, a Christian um, uh, meeting in Haywards Heath. And I was speaking on the subject of forgiveness. And when we teach on forgiveness, we have a cross 
and some hammers and nails and some red discs. And at the end, I ask people if they want to uh, come and forgive, and they bang the discs on the cross. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that today. But um, I... But anyway, so this lady, so I was speaking on forgiveness. At the end, this lady um, got up and gave a testimony. And her testimony was, I didn't, this is the first time I've been to this, uh, to this meeting. I didn't want to come. And I decided I wasn't going to come. And then the Holy Spirit told me I had to come. So there was conviction of the Holy Spirit on her. And anyway, and, but she said, as I stepped into the room... Um, I saw a lady on the other side of the room who I hadn't spoken to for four years because we had an argument and we're in enmity with each other. Oh, right, okay. And so she went and sat down. And of course, I just, I have no idea, of course, but I just speak on forgiveness and what we normally do. And she realized as she sat there, she said, I just knew why I was at the meeting because I'd said to God, why have you brought me here? She said, I knew. It's because I had to forgive that lady over there. And so the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on her. So she comes up to the front, bangs her nail on the cross. And uh, the next thing um, is that the other lady who she was in conflict with, she comes up and bangs something on the cross as well. And they stand up together and they hug each other. You see... Both of them had come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they, and they were set free from unforgiveness and bitterness and enmity because the Holy Spirit had been at work. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. And it's important, but it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The, the, this whole passage that's just been read to us about the Holy Spirit, last sentence says, 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Lord Jesus Christ directs the Holy Spirit. And it says the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle through which God fulfills his plans on earth. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle through which God um, fulfills his plans on earth. That is why it's so important to us. Because we need the Holy Spirit uh, to be be in us to help fulfill his plans. Um, And let me read verse 5 to 8. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you, and he will come. He will convict the world of sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. That's quite strong. So this is before the crucifixion, and Jesus says he's going away, which is best for you, because the Holy Spirit, which is the advocate will not come, uh, because he will not come. We all need the Holy Spirit. And this series that the leadership have asked us to, uh, uh, you know, to, to do this, this, this series, I believe is essential for the growth of the church and of us as individuals. This is such serious stuff. 
And Jesus had to be glorified in heaven and seated at his father's right hand before he could send the Holy Spirit. You know, I've got a serious message to tell this morning, but I'm going to, we're just going to have a little drama. um, I don't do much without dramas um, in any way. So could I have the team up, please? Just want to say in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, it says, may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless as at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, Sarah in the middle. And so we are, what, I just, well, is, Chris, is there all right? You're the, you're the, yeah, yes, I do. We're three in one, all right? Yeah, we're th- and I couldn't have a man on the end there, you see. So we are three in one. We are spirit, soul, and body. And Karen is the body, Sarah is the spirit, uh, the, the soul, and uh, Sophie is the spirit, the human spirit. We are three in one. You see, we are made in the image of God, it says in Genesis 1.26. We are made. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. So we're made in his image. And in the minute, Chris, well, actually, you can come up, Chris, but just he'll feel a bit spare for a minute or two. And, uh, oh, that's not a good word, is it? Uh, anyway, Karen, I didn't plan that. It's not on the, po- the notes. Uh, Karen is, is represents in the body. In the body, we're, uh, we're, it's where we've got flesh, we've got bones, um, and, and, you know, blood. We know what our body is. We know that. That's a place, a bit, you know, we know that. Sarah represents the soul, which is the mind, the will where we make decisions and emotions. And uh, Sophie is the, the spirit, and she, it's where we communicate with God, and it's where we worship God, but it's also where our conscience is, where we know right from wrong, and it's also um, where our intuition is. You know, men have intuition as well as women, just want to say that. So, 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 this, is, so, so this is the body, that, that this is the human being, three in one. Body, soul, and human spirit. And this is, in a way, this is the important bit because this is where we communicate with God. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit... So this is a non-believer and they go to, they, they go to um, an evangelistic meeting and, or church and, uh, uh, and actually... Somebody comes along, preaches the gospel and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And, uh, we, uh, and, and Karen see, hears it with her ears. She can read the Bible if she chooses to with her eyes. It's the body as it were. This, and it, but this is the mind. And you're taking stuff in, in the mind. And emotionally, you know, when the scripture's read, you get, it, it can be quite emotional. But then Sophie is the spirit. This is where the conviction of sin comes. And that's why I wanted to, to do this. Now, when you're a non-believer, the Holy Spirit, which is what Chris is representing, is the Holy Spirit is just there waiting for you. But when the Spirit of God comes on to you, you see what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes into the human spirit, convicts us of sin in our conscience, and, 
and also speaks to us in our spirit. It's here in the mind we're taking it in and in the, in the emotions. And then eventually it filters through to the body because we're a whole being. But I wanted you to recognize that this is the convicting of the Holy Spirit into us. And when I saw this first, this model first, I realized it helped me understand how the Holy Spirit operates through us. And this is where we worship God, where we communicate with God. Can I just say, today we've got prayers for healing. And in flame, we pray for in this, into the spirit and in the soul. And very often the body gets, uh, gets healed without us praying for the body. You see, that's where we need to be ministering, in my humble opinion. Thank you very much, darlings. Now, I'm coming to the serious bit now. Um, In verse 8, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world already has been judged. You know, this word convict is interesting. And and an alternative version, a word for conviction would be convince. You see, the Holy Spirit convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what happened at Haywards Heath where I was um, on Thursday. But you see, judgment will come. And in Acts 17.31, it says, For he set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Judgment is a divine appointment. No one's excused. No one can escape. God's, God is concerned concern is only with righteousness. God will not judge people in respect of their wealth, their position, their cleverness, or their religious passion. He's concerned about righteousness. Jesus takes our sin and we get his righteousness when we accept him. And our best, you know, our best actions were like filthy rags before God. There was no way we could earn a right standing with God. On the cross, the place of divine exchange, the incomprehensible took place. Jesus, who knew no sin, uh, uh, became sin for us. God placed on Jesus our sin and unrighteousness. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, this is almost something we cannot even speak about. A perfectly holy, righteous one becoming an unrighteous, sinful person with the sins of the whole world on him. And yet, because of his grace and for our sakes, Jesus did this. He willingly took our unrighteousness, becoming despicable, vile, unacceptable, unwelcome before his father, so that we could be given his righteousness In exchange, God took Christ's own righteousness, his absolute sinful perfection that he had never, ever sinned and placed his righteousness on us. And I just think we need to be grateful for that. I think it's exciting that Jesus took all our sin 
and our righteousness and our judgment. You know, for those living not, who do not have a faith in, in Jesus, that when they die, they will be judged. And they will still have a conscious life in the afterlife. But unless they've repented of their sin, it will be spent in hell and darkness. This is not popular, but I, I want you to know that I weep over my own family, most of whom do not know, know Jesus Christ. I pray for them daily because I want them to escape the judgment of God. You know, God is a loving God. I'm in no doubt about that. But he's loving and he's judging. You know, for, and for us believers, there's also judgments which confront us as we step out of time into eternity and judgment. Each person will be responsible for their own life. All of us. There's not one of us here that won't be responsible. We can't blame anybody else. Ultimately, we've made our choices. But let me tell you, there are five, five principles of judgment for believers. First of all, God judges on truth. Not what we or others say about us, for what we have done. And it applies to believers and unbelievers. We will be judged for good and, uh, we'll be judged for good and bad things we've done. Anything uh, that is not righteous is sinful. This could be gossip, unrighteous anger, fear, addictions, pornography, idol worship, lying, and all sorts of immorality. Of course we're forgiven if we repent. But repentance is the key. That's what's important. We need to repent. Judgment for believers is not condemnation. It is not condemnation. It is, it, it is, but we will not be condemned, but our behavior in this life determines our position in the next life. That's what's important. This judgment is for assessment of service. We cannot earn our way into heaven, but as we serve in obedience to the Lord, we will receive a reward. That's the important thing. We will get a reward in heaven for being obedient now. So, sorry, I'm nearly over this hard bit. As, as well as convicting us of sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us to do the right thing. It takes us off the wrong path and directs us onto the right one. Now, I want to tell you a story about Canon Benoit, who was in Burundi, who was an archdeacon. He was sitting in the front row with all the other archdeacons, and all of them on the... This is a seminar that Flame was running, and Canon Benoit was set like this all day. He didn't move. I suspect he went for lunch, but he didn't move, and I could see he wasn't best pleased... Anyway, I got a bit angry, to be fair. And um, I went, at the end of the day, I said to our team, could be about eight or nine of us, and uh, I said, they're not hearing this, because the thing is, their behavior was, being was affecting the rest of the congregation as well. Because, you know, if they're not listening, why should anybody else listen? So I was right, I was mad. We'd spent a lot of money to get there. Anyway, so then, so... Um, so I said, we've got to have breakthrough. We need breakthrough. And I said to, uh, I, I said, um, prayers home, we need breakthrough. Um, anyway, and so we prayed. And, uh, but in the, the next morning in my personal devotion, 
God said to me from 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, we are cursed. When we, no, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. It was me that needed the conviction of sin, not them. Because my heart was hardened as the day went on, seeing Canon Benoit like this, you know. And so I said, I apologized. I, I said sorry to the team. I repented to the Lord. And then I, we went down and I said, we're going to love on them. So, uh, I, so, so I went completely over the top and I kept, we were just hugging. Listen, he was a big bloke. Benoit was like, you know, so I'm loving on him. And the whole team are going in and loving on them. And things changed. The atmosphere changed, you know. And it was, it was interesting because at the end of the week, Canon Benoit stood up and testified and said, um, I didn't want to be here at the beginning of the week. I thought, no, you didn't. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he said, this week, my life has been transformed. And my family's life, how he knew that, I don't know. But his, but his family's life have been transformed. You see, that was the power of, uh, of the Holy Spirit who convinced me of my sin, unrighteousness and judgment. Because I made a judgment. I had to repent. You see, that's the power. And I've got one more testimony and then we'll be done. Um, then... Last year, we went to, I went to Istanbul. I don't know if Robert's here, but uh, we ministered to 25 Farsi-speaking refugees, um, helped by Robert Karami, who's here. Um, and I had a group of ladies who were from a different religious background, but had become believers in Jesus Christ. They told us of horrible stories within their families of a rape and abuse. And when I asked them if they could forgive, they said, absolutely not. And I prayed with them for the Holy Spirit to, to, you know, to convince them to forgive because I knew it was key to their freedom. I needed to do that. And we, I said tonight, darlings, which is how I address them, how it, that translates into Farsi, I'm not sure. But... Uh, anyway, darlings, would you go back to your hotel and ask Jesus, ask Jesus what you need to do. Anyway, the next morning they came back. There's huge grins over these girls' faces. And these were, some of them were quite older ladies. Huge grins. Oh yes, last night, the, the man in white came to visit me. I had a dream. Another one had a scripture. Another one had a vision. And Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, had told them to forgive. And that's why, because they were set free and they forgave. Now, um, now the Holy Spirit can convince anyone. There is nothing that we have done which cannot be forgiven. But we need to know Jesus as our personal saviour. We need to repent of our sin, which means turning away from it. We need to ask for the Lord's forgiveness and accept that. 
And even if we've known Jesus for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, sometimes it's good to make a recommitment. And I want to offer that we do that now, actually. <laughs> Whether we could make a, either a first-time commitment to Jesus or a recommitment to him. I wonder if Ben could come up. And, yeah, I'll leave the rest. I'll, I'll do the commitments. Holy Spirit, would you just come? I wonder, actually, can we stand up? It's, if you can, if you want to. If you don't want to, it's fine. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to just touch us now. Just touch us in a new way, a fresh way. Lord, and, and show us where we need to be convinced of our sin, of our, where, we've, where we've done things which are not great in thought and word and deed. I'm now just going to prepare, and if in your spirit you can, you can receive this and say amen at the end. I won't make you repeat it. Um, yeah, oh, I wouldn't make you anyway. Uh, I won't ask you to. But I'm going to say the prayer and perhaps you, you just go along with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you died for me on the cross and you took my sin. And I can receive your righteousness. Today I come before you and I confess my sin. I'm going to leave a moment or two of silence. I repent of all these things I have done wrong in my life, in thought and word and deed. And I ask for your forgiveness, and I receive your forgiveness and your righteousness. And today, I invite you, for most people, once again into my life to be my Lord and my Saviour. And I invite the Holy Spirit to now to come on me and convict me of sin and convince me to walk with you in obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to invite John up. Uh, he, had, he had a word earlier that I think um, links into this. Do you want to take a seat? Um. I'll show it to John. Thank you very much for that. Um, that was amazing, wasn't it? Um, earlier we were singing uh, that song, Spirit 
break out, break our walls down. Yes, spirit break out, break our walls down. And as I was thinking about that, before I was in the job that I'm currently in, I worked with a builder for a little bit, and uh, we did a bit of an extension on our house. And during that, one of the moments was uh, we were taking some things down, and there was this massive wall (laughs) um, that was there. Uh, that needed to come down and obviously you try and push it down it's difficult but in this instance we pushed this wall and it just fell down and went everywhere the bricks just shattered to pieces and as I was thinking about that what I then thought and realized is that in in my life rarely is that the experience yes that happens sometimes you you push a big wall and it, it comes tumbling down But more often than not, what I found as the build went on and we had to take out other walls uh, was that it required a a, a big piece of equipment. It required something to get in amongst the bricks and the mortar and to, like, have a go at it and take out the bricks one by one in order that the whole wall could come down. Now, if we jump that into our spiritual lives and the things that we're facing, I, I suppose I wanted to encourage people that yes, sometimes that stuff happens, but in my experience, quite often, it's looking at that little brick. To relate that to one of the stories that Jan was saying, when that, those two ladies came in, it was that brick of, you need to go to church this morning, and a brick comes out. And then she turns up to church, and she sees the person, ah, oh, there's another brick that comes out. And then somebody gets up on the platform and says, I'm going to be speaking about forgiveness. And, oh, man, there's another brick that's going to come out. And then she's given this opportunity with an hour, and another brick comes out. And then she comes to the cross to nail that in and to say that she wants to forgive, and another brick comes out. And then the other lady comes and does it, and another brick comes out. And bit by bit, the wall comes down. Now, that was uh, a, a short story Quite often, I don't know if you're facing addictions or, um, I don't know, I think of like a recovering alcoholic who takes a a brick out and and that is, you know, I'm not going to have that drink and a brick comes out. And I'm not going to have that drink and a brick comes out. And And then over years and years and years, it's 20 years and the wall is down. So I suppose ultimately what I felt was just to encourage you that uh, perhaps to think about what that brick might be. You know, spirit break out, break our walls down. Sometimes it's a whole wall that comes down. Sometimes it's a brick by brick thing. Uh, and I just wanted to encourage you to think about that and pray into that. Thank you, John. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we're going to have um, a time now of reflection. Uh, the band are going to play, but um, no words are going to come up because I think sometimes you just need a bit of space to process all that's been said but the prayers for healing team will be available at the back so if anything that's been said or anything that's come up in your week or perhaps you need physical healing for something emotional healing uh, the team are at the back and they are really happy to pray with you Um, and they also wanted uh, you to know that if you're a couple and you want prayer together um, uh, there's a couple of people who are willing to pray with you um, as well so Um, If that's you, then just make yourself known to one of the team and they'll point you in the right direction.
there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're a living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen the sweetness of love when my heart comes free. And my shame is undone In your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence. 